It's Murphy Houston, and welcome back. It's Mile High Magazine for another weekend. Hope you're safe. Hope you're wearing the mask. You're doing the separation. Your kids are healthy if they're going to school. And we're uh, excited to have Dr. Larry Kaplan back with us. He's been on before. He's a national leader on public health subjects, healthcare logistics, CEO of Docs Health, a progressive healthcare movement with one mission to provide access to comprehensive healthcare and innovative solutions for, well, schools, military, and government agencies, correctional facilities, and corporations around the world. Dr. Kaplan, thanks for joining us again. It's great to be back, Murphy. Everything's safe with you? You're wearing your mask, right? Uh, well, not while I'm on the phone with you, but I am normally, yeah. As a matter of fact, I am. Well, yeah, me too. When I'm in the studio, I could actually take it off as well. So I got a quick question for you, because I'm a little confused on this, and I have a daughter who's a teacher who tested for this. What does it mean if someone who's had an antibody test done and it was positive? And she's had that done, and she was positive. So... The antibodies are what your what your own body produces in response to being exposed to the virus. So it, that circulates in your blood, which is what we're testing for when we're doing that. So what that means is that at some point she was exposed to to the COVID nineteen virus, and um, and her body built its own defenses for it. So you're testing for that, and now she'll have some measurable immunity for a period of time. It'll probably taper off over a number of months, but at least she's got protection now. But she's been exposed at some point. So that does wear off. Could she then get the COVID once the antibody thing wears off? Yeah, you can. So think of it like um, the flu virus, right? This is different than chicken pox. You got chicken pox and you had it as a kid and you were pretty well protected for the rest of your life. The, your, your body creates memory cells and whatnot, and, and it rapidly responds to it. The, we, the coronaviruses that circulate the globe, we're always building new vaccines for them every single year, new flu vaccines, because they tend to, uh, they tend to uh, um, change uh, from year to year a little bit, and we're not sure exactly which one's going to be coming around. But you don't keep the antibodies permanently like you do for the chickenpox. So we expect that to be the case. The testing we've done so far has shown that people for three, four months still have immunity, but we're not sure how much longer than that it'll last. Seems all these pieces of information we get over the months we've had the COVID doc, they change all the time, don't they? Unfortunately, uh, well, we're learning, so that's the positive side of it. The negative side of it is that we... We, we tend to have to balance the combination of policy, like public policy, with the science. Right. So, you know, so we give out information. You know, you talk about the masks. We give out information that says, oh, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear a mask. And it makes people lose confidence. And when you lose confidence, you lose compliance. So that balance where they're trying to, you know, make sure that guys like me who are treating patients or are testing people – had masks they told everyone else not to wear them because they were because i couldn't get them now that now that we can all get them they're like oh okay everybody wear them and people are like well why shouldn't i have worn it before well they you should have but they were trying to make sure that the people who were first responders had them because we didn't have the supply that we needed back in march if you remember yeah exactly And, and do you think wearing the mask is making a difference positive difference i do i do um, look, look at it this way. When, when I do surgery on somebody, I wear a mask 
I don't wear a mask so that I don't catch something they have. I wear a mask basically for two reasons. One is it's a splash protection. And second is to block what's coming out of my mouth from the patient. So if I'm wearing one and you're wearing one, I'm blocking what's coming out of my mouth and you're blocking what's coming out of your mouth. Now, yeah, air is going to flow out the sides and up and down. But again, I'm, keep in mind, I'm talking about a real mask. I'm talking about a doctor's mask, a medical-grade mask, not a bandana. Right. A bandana, a bandana doesn't do it. So, you know, if we can get people to wear real masks, it, it matters. And, and I see more and more people wearing, in fact, I wear one every day, one of those medical masks. And what do you say is the length of wearing them? Is it wear it one day and trash it, start new the next day? Can you wear them a couple of days? What do you think? It'll depend on how much time you spend in it. But if you're wearing it for any, you know, for even a few hours, I would replace it. Wow. A couple of reasons. One is um, you're touching it. So you're touching your, your hands to surfaces, then you're touching the mask, then you're touching surfaces, then you're touching the mask. So you're constantly infecting the mask with whatever your hands touch. We talk about washing hands all the time. Right. So that's one. Two is the masks become less effective as they have, as they have more moisture in them. And every time you exhale, you exhale pretty much 100% humidity air, even in Colorado where you guys you know, everyone needs a chapstick and a pair of sunglasses. That's true. <laughs> Very true. <Yeah. laughs> so it's still, so, so they do start to become less effective and they, and you can feel the difference. You can feel the difference when you put a mask on initially. And then after you've worn it for a while, they start to feel softer and then the fibers start breaking apart and it starts tickling you more. And that's because the mask is breaking down. So at least once a day, you should replace it. And um, and if you're wearing it for, you know, five, six hours, I would have that thing replaced. What about these folks that wear all these fancy masks that are probably cloth made, I guess? How long do you wear those? You wash them every day or wash them every four hours? What do you think? Well, you know what? They're, cloth masks don't do very well. If they have a filter built into them, then you should change the filter at about the same frequency I just told you. Okay. But regular cloth masks where they're just a bandana or a, a t-shirt or some equivalent they think of it this way trying to stop a virus with a bandana is this is about the equivalent of trying to stop a mosquito with a chain link fence <laughs> good analogy okay <laughs> yeah i got so, it <laughs> yeah it's just not going to do it okay fine all right, let's talk a little bit about schools. Uh, two of my daughters are teachers, and they're back in school. One of them's every day because it's an elementary school. One runs a preschool. What, how are we doing with that? What do you think on a national level, even here in Colorado? What do you think? How, do, how, we, how are we handling that? Some schools are doing it very well. Some schools are doing very little and not doing very well. Some have just sort of punted and said, we're not going to do anything until we can figure out what we really need to do. So the ones that are doing it well, you know, there's a couple of schools in New York that we've actually interacted with. One, Iona Prep, and the other, um, All Hallows High School. Um, they've incorporated a pre-screening process. So before the kid, they're parochial schools. Before the, the students come every day, their parents actually go on an app and confirm that the children don't have symptoms of any kind and haven't had exposures. And then they're issued an, an authorization code. When they come in, 
there's a device that reads that code and takes their temperature very accurately and then allows them access into the building. And they're doing that for every single student. That pre-screening process has really been effective and, and they're operational. Now, they, they also made adjustments in the way they operated in the school, but it's very effective. And these are in areas like New York where, you know, they had a very large outbreak and, right. and you know, things are actually on the upswing again in the areas that got hit first. So we're, we're going to start to see them coming back with exposures again, I believe. Well, maybe the schools ought to check the websites of those t- schools you mentioned and get some help. Uh, you know, I think All Hallows High School has a pretty good um, write-up on how they're doing for their parents to see, how they're doing, what they're doing. And you could reach out to those that, that particular school because I know they're, they're communicating to a lot. Um, and the reason I know that is I keep getting telephone calls from people that they're talking to. So to help them walk through what they need to w- – what they need to do in order to make sure their students are safe. But they're doing it, and it is possible. Uh, on the other end of that, you know, lack of education and the loss of this time for these students is really a health issue. You're, you start, if, if lack of education leads to poor outcome and health outcomes, it actually is directly correlated to a shorter life expectancy. Wow. So it, it's actually a public health issue you know, it also translates into poorer economics for people, which all also play into all of this. It's all tied together. But we need to get students back to school. We need to get education happening in a robust way. Um, and it, it, it's, it'll, it'll relate to public health. Good point there. I like that point. Talk to Dr. Larry Kaplan. Let's talk to you about a realistic timetable for a safe and reliable vaccine. We're hearing so many, well, we're going to have one by the end of October or the beginning of 2021. What do you think, Doc? We're not going to have a vaccine available the end of October. What we should have available by the end of October is data. So we've got a number of, of companies that are running pretty robust testing now, 30,000 plus um, one of them just said they're going to go to 45,000 people. So they're testing a lot of people, and that data should come back. If the, test, if the vaccines are very effective, then the data will come back clear much sooner. But we expect to have data, first-run data, by the end of October. Then it goes to the FDA, and the FDA has to review that data and make a determination as to whether they're going to release it. Now, the government's done some pretty good stuff where they've said, look, even if we're not sure if these vaccines are going to work, we're going to pay you to make them in advance. If it turns out we're wrong, we'll discard them. But if it turns out we're right, we won't have to wait six months for you to ramp up to be able to make them. So all of these organizations are in the process of manufacturing while they're running through testing, even if it ends up being discarded. So the government's done a great job on that end of it. What what we'll need to do is find out what works. Once we once the FDA issues, my expectation is that what they'll do is they'll issue an emergency use authorization, and that'll allow those vaccines to be used for people that are the most at risk for negative outcomes. So long-term care facilities, nursing homes, um, people that you know, people that are the ones that we're worried the most about having this be a fatal um, virus for them. 
and and I think we'll probably get cases that'll go there first. Um, I think that we'll see vi- vaccines available for us in the first quarter of 2021. Well, that's what I'm hearing more of, and I trust your opinion on that one. And quickly, before I let you go, the time always goes by so fast when I talk to you. What about the flu season? Should people be getting that flu shot, the regular flu now that's going to start coming in? Yes, as a matter of fact, more than ever. Um, The reason is we can't tell the difference between the regular flu and COVID without running the specific tests. So the fewer people we have that get the regular flu, the easier it is for us to actually check people that have COVID and monitor the people who have COVID. And what we don't want to have is right now, COVID doesn't seem to be as big of a problem for bad outcomes for, for really young people. The flu is. So we tend to have our worst outcomes in really young people and really old people with the regular flu. It's kind of a barbell effect. If, if we start to have a lot of bad outcomes with really young people, we've got to then decipher whether it's the flu or something that's happening with COVID. And, and that creates a whole big confusion for the medical industry. So really, yes, this year, more than pretty much any other, getting the flu vaccine is really going to be important. Especially for seniors, wouldn't you say, Doc? Seniors and the young um, across the board, yeah. You know, look, we still have to worry about even the 20-year-olds who catch COVID and what the potential risks are long-term for them. If you're a 20-year-old and you're in the hospital for COVID, you've got tissue damage. And what's going to be the result of that when you're 40 or when you're 50? And we don't know how bad that could be, but we do know that you need to be mindful of it. So trying to keep everyone from getting this as long as we can so we get a vaccine that's readily available would be the best course. And, and we're hearing more and more, and you just said it, Dr. Kaplan, that these young people are, they are going to have some long-term effects, aren't they? They can. You know, there's, there, studies have shown in both directions. Some have said even asymptomatic are showing tissue damage. Others have said asymptomatic are not showing tissue damage. I can't I, I, there's, this, the jury's out. I don't have an answer for you that I can give you with any reasonable level of confidence. I can tell you, though, that we have more young people in the hospital with COVID than we ever have. And, and the, those people have had an inflammatory response that's causing tissue damage, and that tissue damage may not be repairable. Wow. So so there, you don't know whether you're going to be the guy who has or the girl who has that severe response to this, almost an autoimmune type response, or whether you're not. And I can't predict whether you will or you won't. So the best course is to just not get it in the first place. And that means follow the guidelines. Same guidelines, right, Doc? Separation, wash your hands, wear a mask. Haven't changed. They haven't changed since the beginning. (laughs) Dr. Larry Kaplan, CEO of Doc's Health. Always a pleasure to have you on, Dr. Kaplan. Please join us again on Mile High Magazine. Murphy, it's my pleasure, and be safe out there. And uh, I know you're enjoying beautiful weather in Colorado, so have a great time. Oh, we will. Indeed, we will. And we'll take a little break here. Mile High Magazine, Murphy Houston. We will return. We'll talk to Dr. John Douglas of Tri-County Health for a Colorado update.